the message here. You can grab your notes and everything and, and take them out and take a look at the title there where it says, When God Doesn't Make Sense. Um, just kind of on that same train of thought and this, this theme in my life lately, God's been speaking into this thing that there is, I just got to tell you this, there are going to be times in your life, if you haven't experienced it already, you will. It's not a might happen. It's not a maybe. It's like not a could be. But there are times in your walk with God where God's going to do stuff in ways that you never saw coming, that you didn't expect, you don't think you're ready for, you don't think are even logical or practical or rational, but God wants to move in your life in ways where he proves that he is God and he pulls off the impossible. You guys feel me on that one? You guys understand that there's times in your life when God's gonna ask you to do something or he's gonna move in your life and it's gonna be something that makes absolutely no sense. It's gonna rock your world. Maybe your friends don't, don't agree with the things that he's asking you to do. Maybe it causes you anger because you're like, God, that's, that's not how you're supposed to do it. I have the plan. You can either do option A, B, or C, but that's it. And why are you telling me to do option Z? This, no, doesn't make sense. There's gonna be times in our life, if you haven't already experienced it, where faith is believing in what is unseen and it's just going, I, I don't know what's there. I don't know if I can trust you, but it's when in those times... If you test, because you got to test it, know that God is in it. That's, that's key. You can't just go off on crazy schemes that you think was God. But when you know it's God speaking to you, and he's telling you to do something, or he's asking you to, to change something in your life, go and talk to that person. Go and give this away. Go and do this. Go do that or whatever. But when you do it and you hold on, there's such an amazing victory. There's such amazing blessing. Your faith is strengthened in all of that. And in this kind of this theme in my life as of late, is I've been reading in, in Psalms and in Isaiah, and it's like, you know how God takes you on different seasons of your like, um, relationship with him? Like there's just different seasons. One of the seasons I'm in right now is just the enormity, the immensity, the, the giganticness of our God and how big he is. And the reminder that in this whole world and this whole universe and this whole life, I am very, very small. Anybody ever just get overwhelmed with how big God is? And I've been reading these things in Psalms that are saying, you know, he created the stars in the sky and he, he, he created the world that we live on and it's nothing. It's, um, there's a verse that kind of just came to me the other week and I, I just wanted to read this to you. It's not in the sermon or anything. So here's a little bonus. You ready for this one? A little, little extra. Isaiah 45 verse 9 through, um, where are we? 9 through 12. I need, I need to be reminded of this. This is kind of what the message is about, but this is kind of in my, my personal time with the Lord is just reminding me this when things don't seem to be going the way I want them to, and I kind of ask God, what are you doing? This, this doesn't make sense. Here's what he says. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does a clay dispute the one who shapes it, saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Anybody ever relate to that one? There's times in my life, even this week, I literally was questioning God. You don't want to admit it, right? Because we're in church. I would never say that to God. But the reality is, as human beings, a couple times this week, I said, God, stop. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you got this one wrong. You know, let me, let me instruct you, God. But there's this verse here that says, does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does a clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Does a pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to its father, why was I born? Or if it said to its mother, why did you make me this way? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and your creator. Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? Am I the one who made the earth and created people to live on it? With my hands, I stretched out the heavens and all the stars are at my command. 
And as I get into the, the word today and as I look at this message, I'm reminded that God is bigger than me. He's smarter than me. He's better than me. He's more powerful. He knows what's going on. He's seen all of eternity work itself out. He knows the end of the story, the end of the movie. And I'm just stuck in this one frame, in this thing I call life, and I think I know what's going on. And I am reminded that I don't know what's going on and that I don't have to know what's going on. Because I have this relationship with this God that is so big and yet he loves me, I can trust in him. See, I was, um, I recently been, one of the hobbies that I, I picked up, and I love the beach, I love the ocean, I love to be out in God's creation, and it's always been about me, what I do on top of the ocean, like surfing and bodyboarding, body surfing, and just all of that stuff. And I love that, I love being in the, the beauty that God created. We're so blessed that we live in, let's just be real, the best state in all of the United States. Come on, who may, how many of you guys agree with that? It's real, right? We live in the best state. And we get to be in the water year-round, and I don't have to wear wetsuits anymore. And it's a, I mean, it's beautiful, the, the blue water we live in. So I always like to surf, but, but recently I've been getting into diving and diving for shells, just finding the beauty and the treasure that God made that to me is like, man, money can't buy this. It's like treasure hunting. Every time I dive and I look for these shells and I realize, God, this is, this is so cool. You made this. It's this little shiny, colorful thing. I just, I love that. So on a lot of days when I just want to go and relax and not fight the crowds in the surf, I'll just go diving, go to just certain beaches where the, the stuff always washes in. And I'm out there diving, and my eyes are usually faced downward, right, in my mask looking at the ground and looking at the, the reef and everything, pulling out these treasures. But there's times when I'm swimming and I'm diving, and I just glance over to the blue, to the deep. You guys know what I'm talking about? And, and for years of my life, I didn't like to look that way because I saw the movie Jaws when I was young and it ruined everything about the ocean for me. Anybody, that's you, like, you saw Jaws and you're like, I'm not going near that water, that's crazy. But there's, there's, when I was growing up, it was small and I'd always look underwater and I'd look out to the deep blue and it would just freak me out. I was just waiting to see the, 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 the vague shadow that turns into teeth and just, and I'm done, right? But I've gotten to the point more in my life where God's hand is on me and I love his beauty and his creation. But when I look at that deep blue and it just goes off into where I just can't see anymore, I feel so overwhelmed that I am just so tiny and this ocean is just so huge. And then I start thinking, there's verses in scripture like Psalms that say, God created the ocean and he holds it in his hands like nothing, like a drop of water to me. God's going, oh, the ocean? Oh yeah, that little drop I created, that little planet Earth. And I'm just reminded that my God is so big and he's so gigantic and he didn't have to do what he did for me, but he calls me his own and he cares that I'm down there in the water finding that one little shell and it's making my day and my God put that one shell there for me to find because he loves me that much. And I just want you to kind of lock into that as we talk about this sermon today that there's times when God doesn't make sense and this big God that's out there, he's got it all under control even when we don't think it's the plan that we had prescribed in life that was going to bring us a blessing. God goes, I'm still in it. See, my week was a little bit rough. I had a couple situations that didn't make sense to me. Here's a, here's a for instance. Here's something I want to share with you guys, the church family. I was thrown off my game, and I was pretty shocked this week. Um, I understand it. It makes sense. There's a reason why. There's cause and effect. You do something, there's consequences. This week... One of our pastors, Pastor Frank Kabakungan, you guys all know him and you love him, right? Pastor Frank, gifted young man, he's, he's got a bright future. He made some poor choices, did some wrong actions that uh, just 
basically broke some agreements, some expectations, some commitments that he had on the job, and we had to let him go. He's no longer working for us on staff at this church. And I wasn't expecting that to happen. I wasn't expecting that to happen. I understand you made some choices. Every action has a consequence, and we had to do it. And he was in agreement. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I see what I did. We had to make those decisions. And uh, I got to tell you guys, it was, it was really, it's tough when someone's your friend and you got to do stuff like this. It's just weird. And I, I just want to tell you this. I, I want to phrase this right. I don't need to explain all the situation of why he got fired or let go or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's, I just want to let you know this. It wasn't for some big, crazy, oh my gosh, he blew it, he's in sin, he's in whatever. He made some wrong choices, but it's not a big condemn him. We didn't kick him out of the church. We still love him, absolutely. I believe in him. I believe in his giftings. Um, in fact, to the point of there actually may be a future working relationship. I believe in him that much. Just made some poor choices, had to suffer the consequences. It was black and white. It was pretty clear. Um, in the midst of it, he loves us. We had some good talks. God's kind of doing some stuff in his life. You might still see him around. I don't know if he's going to be in church right away, but he's just, he doesn't know. He's just trying to process some stuff with the Lord. And we're going to give him that time, but at the same time, we're keeping the relationship open. We're loving on him. If you see him, love on him, treat him normal. There's no room for judgment here at all. In fact, if you want to call him or just hang out with him, do that. Let him be the one about who's ready to come around or whatever. But there wasn't necessarily on the relationship level a love loss. It was just something that happened on the job. And um, so we had the talk. And even, you know, he's still Pastor Frank on his way out as he's handed in all his stuff and everything. We're still cracking jokes and we're smiling. We prayed for each other and it's all good. But it's still awkward and it's still weird. And to be honest with you, I wasn't ready for that. And I questioned God because I'm thinking, God, you're building this church. You're building this team. There's good stuff happening. Frank is an incredibly gifted young man, and he's, he's a, an awesome speaker. Wouldn't you guys agree? He's so charismatic and passionate. And so I see the giftings in him, yet at the same time, this had to happen, and we had to deal with it. And it threw me off my game a little bit. God, what are you doing? My plan is that Pastor Frank is on the team, and he's moving forward, and I got all these other pastors, and the church is moving forward. You're doing some good stuff. This isn't according to my plans, God. I don't understand this. And it's kind of like we read in, the, in the, the, the verse earlier is stop. You don't know what you're doing. And I kind of felt that. Yet at the same time, God is going, do you trust me or not? Do you understand that I'm still in Frank's life? Frank still loves me. I'm still in your life, Carl. I'm still active in the church and I'm still trying to bless you. But the way of blessing sometimes we get better through the refining process of the fire. Do you guys you understand that? You've had that in your life? And this is one of those times where it's just a testing period. It's a new season for Pastor Frank and even for, for us to say, God, we didn't see this one coming. It's awkward. It's kind of uncomfortable. We get it, but we're going to trust you anyway. Are you guys hearing me this morning? And the, 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 the words that I want to I speak to you this morning, I believe, are God's words and that it's from the word of God and his 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 words to us, um, I'm kind of preaching it to myself today as well as preaching it to you that, Carl, God's still in control. He knows what's going on. You got to deal with weird situations, tough stuff, and it may not make sense to you at the moment, but just sit and trust and obey and watch how this thing plays out because I believe there's amazing days ahead. There's far better days ahead than we can even imagine, not only for Pastor Frank, but for us as a church. And I'm going to hold on to my God 
And that's, if you came in here this morning and you're going, I'm going through something in life too and I don't get it, it doesn't make sense, it makes me angry or it makes me confused or it makes me embarrassed or I, I don't get it. I want you to know that God is faithful. He loves you. He's bigger than you. Can I remind you of that? You're not God, that he is. Just sometimes we need that little check in our lives. I'm not God, you are, and I'm gonna trust you. So we're gonna get into the word today and we're gonna, um, we're gonna talk about that. There's a story that I came across a couple weeks ago as I was in the, um, reading through my, my, just my time with the Lord, my daily devotions, time with God in scripture. It's in 2 Kings, and um, God was reminding me, I, I read this story many times before, I understand the meaning of it, but for some reason it's just hitting hard right now about how I need to remember that God is absolutely in control, even if I don't see it and it doesn't make sense. So there's this verse in 2 Kings chapter 5, and it's a story of this guy named Naaman. And um, this is where we pick up the story. In, in verse 1 it says, The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, who was the commander of his army. Okay, so this guy Naaman is an awesome warrior. He's a commander of the army. He's like a general. And the king of Aram is going, I'm so blessed by this guy. He's my, my strong warrior. He's my general. And he was so blessed, and he, was, he had admiration for him because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. This guy's strong. He's smart, strategic. He's a general. And yet he's got this skin disease that could eventually prove fatal in his life. And so he's got this major weakness. So it says in verse 2, at, the, at this time, the Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, to Naaman's wife, I wish my master, um, Naaman, would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Now, this young girl that's become the maid in the household of Naaman and his wife, she's saying, I just came out of Israel. You guys brought me on, taken me captive, but I have a liking to you. I've taken a liking to you, and I know that if Naaman would go and see this prophet from where I'm from in Samaria in Israel, he could probably heal your leprosy. She's talking about the prophet Elisha. The prophet Elisha, if you guys remember, there was a prophet named Elijah. He did a lot of miraculous events. He spoke for the Lord. And he had a young training, guy in training, a disciple named Elisha. And Elisha came on, and Elisha was given a double blessing, a double anointing of the Spirit's power in his life. So he raised people from the dead. He spoke prophetic words from God. He's a powerful prophet. And this young girl is going, hey, you know what? If you, my master Naaman, if you'd go see this guy in Samaria... This guy can heal you. He, he walks and works with the power of God. And so it says in verse 4, Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying all these gifts of silver, gold, and clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Now, he's not necessarily specifically talking to the king, but he's saying, I know that there's someone in your presence and under your rule that could possibly heal my, my commander of my army here. And so in verse seven, when the king of Israel, who at this time wasn't a good king, there's a, um, if you read the, the books of Kings and Chronicles, it tells the story of all of these kings. Some of the kings were good, they honored God. Some of the kings did evil in the sight of the Lord. And this particular time is this king who's named Joram, and he was an evil king of Israel. But when the king of Israel, this, this evil guy, read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and he said, this man sends me a leper to, to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. He didn't trust him. 
But when Elisha, here's, here's the man of God. Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. He sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. He's excited. I'm going to get healed of leprosy. But Elisha didn't even come out to meet him. He sent a messenger out to meet him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry, and he stalked away. He's mad. He's like, wait, what? You want me to do this? It says, I thought that he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call on the name of the Lord his God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of the Damascus, where I'm from, the Abana and the Farpar, better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed instead of this Jordan River you want me to wash in? So Naaman turned away in a rage. Now, here's the deal. Here's where we kind of get to the point of the story is, this guy Naaman has leprosy. He hears that this is a prophet that can, that can heal him. He goes to meet the guy, and he's mad. He's mad about three things. Listen to the three things he's mad at. Number one, he's mad because he traveled all this distance. He's the man. He's Naaman. He's a general of the king's army. He traveled all the way over here with a letter from the king, and this Elisha guy, this prophet of God, doesn't even have the decency to honor me. I'm the man. I'm the general. He won't even come out personally and see me. That's disrespectful. This is not the healing that, that I have, have expected to come about. This guy won't even see me face to face. So he's mad. This isn't the way I pictured it. This guy needs to bow down. He better kiss the ring. You know, he better come out here. And Elisha's like, no, this is, this is how God works. Secondly, he's mad because not only does the, the prophet not show up and greet him face to face, but where's the dramatic ceremony? Where's the healing and the waving your hand over my leprosy in the name of God, I call upon you and the cleansing ritual and all of this stuff. All he says is, ah, you know what? Go down to the Jordan and dip yourself seven times. What? No, but where's the, where's the drama? Where's the pomp and circumstance? Again, I'm a general. What's going on here? This isn't how I'm supposed to be healed. And then he goes, and then if you want me to go and bathe and, and wash off in some water, why do I have to do it in your muddy, dirty Jordan River over here? There's rivers back where I'm from in Damascus. There's beautiful, clear waters with all of this amazing stuff. And you know what? I came to get healing. I came to find God. And this is not the way it's supposed to happen. Can anybody in their lives ever relate with saying, God, that's not the way it's supposed to happen? There's so many times in my life when, when God's leading me into something. And he goes, and this is how it's going to come about. And I just go, no, that, you're wrong on this one, God. This, I'm bummed. I'm, I'm kind of angry. I'm like, I don't understand how you're working in my life. There's a couple years ago, a few years back, like 15 years back, I was a youth pastor, church in Huntington Beach, California. My wife and I, we'd, we'd moved up there for Bible college from Hawaii. We've been, we've been pastoring all of these kids. Here's the deal. God had given us favor in our job. We started off with two little junior high boys that were brothers, and we wanted to build a youth group, and God brought us up to like 150, 200 kids in this church of like 200. And we're going, whoa, God, you're here. You're blessing us. You're leading us. God, what do you want for my life? Like, I want to be a youth pastor, but do you want me to go into full-time ministry? And I believe that God gave me promises at that time, heavy, direct promises that said, Carl, I've got a plan for your life. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to serve me, and I've got good things in store for you. You're going to go bigger. And actually, the words that my wife prophetically got for me was um, magnified and multiplied. And I sensed this calling on my life and these words from God, these promises that are saying, I'm going to do some big things and I'm going to bless your life. And so me and my thinking and where I was at, I'm going, yeah, God, you're doing it. 
I'm in this little church, but it's blowing up. All these kids, wow, you're, you're totally doing this stuff. Yeah, we're called to be here. And you know what? You've confirmed it because my wife's parents had moved from Kaneohe all the way to Huntington Beach to live there with us, to be in community with us. They lived right across the street from us. They'd gotten into church. They were growing in the Lord. Oh, that's confirmation. And you know what, God? My wife's sister and, and brother-in-law, they're married. They moved in right across the street too. Man, we've, we're collecting all of our family members. God, you're doing something. And all of these friends we started having that were from, from Hawaii back in the day, we knew them from long ago. We grew up with them. They're all finding their way into our little church community, into this area. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm, I'm loving on kids. All the kids surf, so that's super bonus for me. And I'm just like ministering. And we're like, I'm starting to get raises. God, your favor's on us. We're going to start looking for a house. You put us here, God. This is amazing. The plan that you gave me, the, the promises you gave me of, of furthering my ministry and being multiplied and doing this and going into full, full-time service, it starts right here in Huntington Beach. And God, thank you for putting us here. And then God goes, yep, I'm going to do all that stuff, but it's time for you to leave. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. I'm, I'm happy here. I'm comfortable. This is all good. And God goes, time to go back to Hawaii. I want to do a work in you over there. And I literally remember the argument with God. No, God, that's, that's not me. I must have eaten some, some bad poke last night. It's disagreeing, and, and I'm just not thinking clearly. And that, that would, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. But you know when the Holy Spirit works and suddenly you hear that same thing and it just keeps coming into your head and you can't shake those thoughts, that God keeps going, this is me. I'm telling you, you it's time to leave. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. So you read the Bible and then you read about like Abraham left his home country and served God. No, no, I don't want to read that story. And you hear a sermon and someone's preaching the sermon and everywhere you look, you know without a shadow of a doubt, God is in this thing and I got to obey. And so God spoke to me prophetically, all these ways he confirmed it. And I was to the point where, oh God, this doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to do this. And then I go and I talk to my wife. Hey, honey, this is what God's doing and everything. And you know what she did? She didn't talk to me for two months. She said, heck no. No way am I doing it. She probably said it differently, but she said, no way. I'm not doing that. That's not God. Look at my, my family's here. We're, we're plugged in. We're growing. Life is good. This is awesome. We're not going to leave. And God had to take his time and do what he needed to do. But he convinced her as well. I know this doesn't make sense. I know it's going to hurt you. I know it's going to be terrible to rip you away from your family, from this youth group of kids that are like your own kids that love you. And let me tell you, one of the hardest days of my life is when we went and talked to that youth group and said, we love you guys, and we've been in your life, and you guys sleep over our house all the time. We've prayed with you. We've taken you all around everywhere. With You do life with us. We're leaving you. It doesn't make sense, but God is calling us back to Hawaii. And all I had was a room full of sobbing kids and hurting kids. And I had to face that. And my wife and I and her just like, oh, our heart was broken. And it was so hard to tell her parents, hey, I know you guys moved up here a couple years because of us to be with us. And now we're leaving you. And they're like, no, this can't be. It's one of the hardest decisions we made. But it, it worked out. And I'm here to tell you that there will be, Christian, if you are seeking God and you love God and you're following him, there will be, not maybe, not might, not could be, there will be and are times in your life when God calls you to do something that make absolutely no sense. In fact, the people in your life might not even believe it, and they may speak against it. Your common sense may speak against it. The way the world and the situation is, circumstances are set up may speak against it. But if you know that God is speaking to you, then you got to know that he's got something better in store for you. He's got a blessing awaiting you, and he's going to strengthen your walk with him. And we got to know that these times are going to come. And here's what's presented to Naaman. Look, 
You didn't even come out here to, to, to bless me. You didn't do a dramatic prayer ceremony. You're making me wash in the dirty river. It doesn't make sense. And he's faced with this decision where we got to understand God's in control. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says this. This is God speaking. And I like to put my name in there because when I read the, the stuff, I need to personalize this so it makes sense. So here's what I get when I read Isaiah 55, verse 9. Carl, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Can I just remind you of that, young man? Okay, God, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And Carl, my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. And Carl, Ryan, more. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And sometimes I got to sit there and remind myself, God is bigger than me. God knows what he's doing. He's got it all under control. And I need to learn to trust him. And see, I told you I had a rough week this week, right? Learning this lesson of trusting in what's not really making sense and I, I don't understand, I don't get it. Well, not only did I have to deal with Pastor Frank and that awkwardness and hurt and not understanding and yet knowing that God was in it. But Pastor Brad, our youth pastor, came to me and Pastor Tom the other day and he said, hey, I've been praying about this for a long time and, and I've been just kind of um, taking this to the Lord and talking to some people and um, I think it's time for me to step down as youth pastor of this church. And I was like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah, you know, it's God, and now I'm, I'm being led into other areas and this and that. And immediately, you know, my reaction inside, I was mad. I was like, wait, what? And I'm thinking, you get someone else offered you a job. You're leaving our church. You don't like us, huh? This is your way of telling me that you don't like me and, and my style and this and that. And, and I, I, was, I took offense, and I was mad. And I go, how's this guy? I'm like, in my head, I'm going, no, I'm not going to let him get away with this. I've got, a, I've got a, a, a high school daughter and a junior high son, both in his ministry. You're not going to do this to my kids. And inside, I was just like, no way. And you know what? And I'm like, oh, Brad, so how old are you again? Remind me. He's like, 23. And instantly, I'm going, this is immaturity. This is his young age talking. It's time for me to pull the pastor card, right? It's time for me to say, I've been in ministry longer than you. I'm older than you. I'm closer to God than you. I was ready. I was ready to pull out all the stops, right? I was ready to convince him, to intimidate him, to manipulate him, whatever it took to say, you are wrong, young boy, and you need to stay in your job. I was ready. Then I had it all lined up in my head, the things I was going to say, and I was just so ready. And you know what? Holy Spirit just told me loud and clear in my head, let him go, trust me. And I was like, what? this doesn't make sense, right? And it's like, sometimes you ever have those like super long conversations with God, but they happen in like a, a millisecond, a nanosecond, like all the stuff of like, like he's never let me down before. He knows that, you know, I know that he can, I can trust him and he's, he's good and I'm confused and I don't get it, but calm down. Everything just came in with the, just trust me, this is the right thing. And I'm just like, I'm looking for something in Pastor Tom's face because I can't, I'm like, which way do I go? What's going on? And Pastor Tom, the good man that he is, is just absolutely stoic. And I'm like, come on, man, give me something, right? And all I hear is the Holy Spirit just going, yep, it makes no sense. Trust me, I got this one. And I'm just like, but my kids are in there. I know, trust me. And really, I just looked at Brad, and I just said, okay, Brad, it sounds like you've prayed about this. Just explain to me a little bit more, but we're going to go ahead and do this thing. And I'm just freaking out inside, but I just felt like it doesn't make any sense right now, but I got to do what God is, God is working here. He's in this thing. I just, I feel he's in it. So I said, Pastor Brad, explain to me what's going on. He said, well, he goes, I love the kids. I love the church. I don't have another job opportunity. I'm not even going to leave the church. I love this church. 
I love the leadership of this church. I love you, Carl. I was going, you better love me right now, you know? But I'm just thinking, no, but I, literally I was like, wow, this is, I, I didn't see this coming. And he goes, no, I'll, the, the stuff on the job that was a little overwhelming for me right now, just a little bit much, he goes, I, I just need to take a break from it. He goes, I, I don't want to be in this position, but I still love the kids here. I'm still going to be around. I love this church. He goes, I'm still here to serve. This is my home church. I found Jesus here. He goes, put me on ushering duty. I'll clean toilets. Do you give me, oh, whatever. I'm still here to serve. And I'm just like, whoa, I respect this young man right here. You know, I'm like, he's making a good decision. And he goes, there's some things in my life. I go, you still want to be a pastor someday? Because you're kind of like sidetracking yourself here. He goes, no, I still want to be in ministry. I still want to be a pastor. I just need to explore some stuff and get straight with God. And I kind of went in my life. I remember when I was 23 years old, I didn't have the world all figured out. And I got to have some grace on him and let him. And I saw in his eyes that he had been spending time with the Lord and he did get the right answer from the Lord. And I just felt like, okay, we're going to go with this thing. He goes, I want to explore some options. I might want to start my own business and I want to see if God's in that. And I want to come back to ministry someday. But for right now, this is the right thing. And I just felt like, God, from a normal human standpoint, this makes no sense at all. And I should not be excited or happy at what this young man is doing here right now. But for some reason, I know you're in it. And I'm going to take a step of faith here. And I'm going to let him step out. And we're going to trust you, Father God. Because the next point of panic came into my head is, who the heck is going to replace this guy? I've got two kids in there. I've got vested interests. I want this church to succeed. He's got all these kids. He's doing a great job. Who could replace Brad? So I said, Brad, I know you prayed about this. And you, you sought the Lord on this. And you raised up some leaders and stuff. And I go, who do you got to step in and fill your place? And he goes, nobody. And I was like, what? <laughs> Anybody in the church at all? No. What about, let's think about this. Is there any other guys on island in ministry that we could maybe bring in? Maybe they're not working yet or we could steal them or something. And he just says, um, no. I'm like, come on, man. And okay. Not on island. In the state? No. In the nation? No. In the world, Brad, give me something. And he said, I don't know, man. And it was, again, another decision. Now, am I going to trust God when it looks like I'm not going to have a new youth pastor coming in here to take Brad's spot? And we did what, what we always do when we panic. I went to the executive staff, and I told them, let's pray. And we all prayed hard on it. And we went home, and we got to our knees, and we just brought it before the Lord. God, this doesn't make any sense, but we trust that you're working in all this. Sure enough, God brought a name to our heads. And I explained to the staff who God had told me, and they all said, that sounds really good. Weigh the pros and the cons. Is God in this thing? So I did my, my due diligence. I did a little investigative work on the background. Who, let me know this guy. How's his experience in ministry? Where's he at now? What's going on in his life? And, and basically, we had all those talks. And I talked to the new guy, and we hired a new youth pastor. And it was so amazing because I didn't want to announce this, that Brad was stepping out. He's still in the church. I still love him. In fact, I believe in Brad so much. I told him, you may not be working here as a youth pastor, but I'm still going to hire you out to be on my preaching team because you're a good preacher because I believe that you are going to be a pastor someday and I got to keep you sharp in your skills. So I believe in you enough. You're still going to be on the preaching rotation. So he may have stepped down, but you guys are still going to hear from Brad because he's a, he's a young man of God and he's got a lot to say and God's moving in his life. But we brought the new guy and um, on Wednesday, I invited him in to come talk to the staff to meet him, to share his heart. And you know, it was a holy moment. God bonded the staff to him. And we don't know him in and out yet, but I, I've got some experience with him. And he actually led us in worship, the new guy. He's a worship pastor as well. He led us in worship in, in Cornerstone. 
And we sang that, and it was like, God, this feels good. This is right. He's on the team already. I went to lunch afterwards with Brad, Tom, Trevor, and the new guy. And we just shared each other's heart and vision. And the new guy's going, man, I cannot wait to be on your team. I've always loved your church. Every time we're around, we visit your church. That's the one church on island that I have always wanted to go to. And we brought him in. He's from an outside church. I'm not going to tell you his name yet because he has not told his church. And if it gets out to them from you, we're in trouble, right? They need to hear from him first. So he's going to come in in a couple weeks. We're going to bring him in. I'm going to have him preach, share his heart to all of you in all the services so we can all get to know him. But here's what I want you to know. This whole thing that looks scary and freaking me out and it doesn't make any sense turned into a God moment, the moment that I said, God, I trust you, even though it doesn't make sense. We went to lunch that day. And as we're sharing each other's hearts, the new guy's saying how stoked he's going to be to come on board. Brad is going, this is so good. I'm actually super excited. This is the right man for the job at this season in our church. And I'm so blessed to be a part of what God is doing and to watch this guy come in and replace me. And I'm just like, who says that? God is so in the midst of this thing, right? And so we've got this thing going on and it rattled me. But what I understand about our God is that sometimes when he asks you to do stuff that you don't expect, that's a really good thing. Because how many of you want to serve a God that is boring and predictable, right? If I served a God that is boring and predictable, I wouldn't have a need for God because I would be able to tell him how to run my life and him to give him orders on what to do. And God, I want you to bring this about in my life, but you have to do it this way, this way, and this way. Pretty soon the understanding would come into play that he's not God anymore. I become God. Are you guys hearing me? If we don't serve a God that is beyond us and that is unpredictable and that does things that don't make sense to us, then he doesn't really have any room in our lives to be God. Because if we control it all, we become God and we tell him what to do. So I'm thankful that I live a life of cliffhangers and freakouts and panic attacks in knowing that God is building this relationship with me that says, I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm smarter, watch me, submit to me, I'm gonna do things that are gonna blow your mind. I'm thankful for that in my life. It's an exciting life of faith that we lead, lead, we lead and we gotta understand that God is gonna do this kind of stuff. But here's what I want you to know, people. Make sure that if you're faced with a decision like this, can I just tell you this? Make sure that it's God that's really in it. Because sometimes I've talked to people that said, you know what, I believe God told me to quit my job and I'm just gonna go for it and I'm just gonna live off the land. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Did he get confirmation? Do you really know that that's God or did he just watch a cool movie? No, nope, already done, too late. And I'm like, oh no. And you see him for the next year of their life picking up the pieces because they got all emotional, spontaneous, excited, and it was never God that was in it in the first place. Are you guys hearing me? Sometimes in our zeal and our zestiness for God, we want to just walk out there and just do some stuff. But God's going, did you even check with my Holy Spirit? Did you ever, ever use wisdom? Because I, I put that in my Bible. You know, I put that in my book. That if you need wisdom, you should ask me and I'll give it to you generously. You didn't even ask. You just got excited and went out and sold all your stuff. And now you're just a weird hippie living in a van or something, right? <laughs> I've seen people do this. Big decisions. Like, God, I'm praying on the relationship. Yep, she's the one. And you don't stop and check and you just get messed up in the worst relationship of your life. Here's the thing that you need to make sure of when you're faced with a decision you think is God and it doesn't make sense, make sure that you know it's God. Are you guys hearing me? Make sure that like when I was in that moment with Brad, I heard the Holy Spirit. I knew what was going on. It wasn't just like, well, let's try it out and see what happens. No, I was only acting because I, I'm close to the Holy Spirit. I try to stay close. All of us, you guys got to remember that he lives in you. All you got to do is ask. He's right there. He'll speak to you. He'll lead you. 
Seek him out in scripture. Talk to Christian friends. Go sit in church and say, God, speak to me in this sermon today. You're going to find that God will confirm whatever it is. But can I just tell you this? You have to make sure that God's really in it. See, we get back to the story of Naaman, who he, he walks away. Hey, God, you didn't do it the way I wanted, so I'm mad, and he stalks off. But check out verse 13. Let's pick up back up the story. It says, his officers tried to reason with him, and they said, sir, the prophet of God, right, the man that speaks for God, if he had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Look, he could have told you something hard, but he's saying something pretty simple. And let's remember, he is the prophet of God. He's the guy that's speaking for God. And so verse 14, Naaman got the point, and it says, he went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed. His skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. Here's what I want you to realize. When you understand that it is God in it, Naaman goes, wait, this is the man of God? God's in it? Okay, I better just do this. When you are confirmed that God is in this situation, don't delay, just obey. You gotta just act quick. This past week, I've been, I've been hanging out with my son. We've been dropping him off every day. He's been out at Hickam Skate, Skate Park, the skate hangar. There's a hangar they have that's full of half pipes and ramps and all this stuff. He's 13 years old. We sent him to skate camp, nine to two every day. He's learning how to ride a skateboard better, learning how to drop into ramps, do all of his kickflips and all of his stuff. And he's just in heaven. He's loving it. Friday was the day he gets to show off to the parents. All the parents come down. They get to do the run and we're clapping. We're cheering cameras, the whole deal. He's so excited. And after the demo's done, he's walking by and he goes, dad, look, I did this ramp. I dropped in on this. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty high, six feet. He goes, yeah, I dropped in on that ramp. I'm like, well, good job, man. And then he goes, and then I even moved up to the eight foot ramp. I rolled into that one. I'm like, oh, that's, that's high. That's pretty good. He goes, dad, I even did the 10 foot ramp. I dropped into that one. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, that's incredible. And he goes, but then there's that one, the 12 foot ramp. That's a vert ramp. It's got vert, like you're just dropping into a wall, right? There's no incline rolling. It's just You're committed. You drop in until you hit the curve of it all. You guys know what I'm talking about? And this thing is 12 feet high. And he goes, that's the one I haven't done yet. I want to do that one. I'm like, go, bro. Now's your time. Do it. Charge them. Right? I'm like, this is the last day of camp. You're not going to be able to come back till you know, whenever you you come back. Do it, man. I got the camera. And he's like, yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it. So he comes up. And he's like, he looks over the edge. He's like, oh, right? He's thinking about it. I'm like, go. You got this. Inside, I'm praying. God, don't let him break his arm. Don't let him break his arm. You got it, buddy. You got it. And he comes up. He puts his board on the, "Eh, no, right? He can't do it. We go around and around for like 20 minutes, like five, six, seven times. He gets up there. Oh, I can't do it. And he goes and skates another ramp to practice. Then he gets back up and he does it again. And I'm like, come on, man. I keep pressing record. You're just wasting my stuff here, you know? Got to delete all this. You know, it's causing, causing problems for dad here. Do it. And finally, I, I grab him on the side and I go, look, you did the six foot. You did the eight foot. You did the 10 foot. You did all this. You know you can pull it off. You pulled it off. Your ability is there. You did it every single time without a flaw. This is just a little bit higher, a little more vert. But you did it all those other times. You need to get up there and not overthink this thing. When, when I see you walk up the stairs, just walk up, put your board on the edge, and just commit and go. Otherwise, you'll just talk yourself out right out of this. Don't delay. Just obey. Obey your dad. Get up there. <laughs> Don't break your arm. Don't break your arm. Just, just get up there, right? So that's what he did. He got up there, didn't hesitate. He just put it on. He goes, whoo, and he just, whoo, and he pulled it off. And I was like, yeah, super proud dad. First time he's dropping into a 12-foot pipe. I'm so excited. Got it on film. He's ecstatic. Kids are like just, you know, clapping. Skateboards are flying in the air. They're, they're firecracking. No, not all of that. But I was getting excited. I was like, yes, he did it, right? And then 
But the thing about it was, which I think was so amazing, is he learned this lesson that, that I think Naaman actually learned when he went and did this and saw that it works out. There's this bigger lesson involved. It's not just about jumping off and going when God tells you to. But my son learned a bigger lesson. He came to me and he goes, Dad, you know what the, the ramp has taught me? I was like, what? You know, I'm like, oh, what, what's he going to say here? 13-year-old wisdom, right? He goes, no, I, I got to learn that I, I built some, um, um, I'm like, faith? He's like, no, um, uh, confidence? He's like, yeah, confidence. He's like, I got confidence from that ramp that I think works in, like, maybe my surfing. I'm going to feel more confident now in my surfing. And even, like, in school with, like, projects and stuff, like, I feel, like, more confident because of that. And even, like, with talking to people, it's, like, it's cool. Like, from that one thing, it taught me that I can be confident in all these other areas. And I'm just going, oh, words of wisdom right here, right? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, son. There's a future for you, young man, you know? So he tells me this, and here's what I'm thinking. That in our life, even with Naaman, is he learned the bigger picture. He didn't walk away and go, hey, awesome, thanks for the healing, I'm out of here, back to business as usual. You know what Naaman did? doesn't say it in the, in the scripture there. I, I read later on in the next few verses you can read in your Bible. Naaman basically went back to Elisha, humbled himself, and basically said, you know what I've learned in this thing? I've learned that you're the man and that the God you serve, he's the one true God. The God of Israel is the God, and all of those other gods are nothing. He goes, can I pay you something to thank you for that? He goes, nope, because I didn't do it. God did it. He goes, well, then can I at least take some of this ground here that is holy ground where this miracle happened that's, that's from your God here in Israel. I want him to be my God too. So he took some dirt back to his hometown so that he could build an altar to worship the one true God on his own holy ground. It changed his life. From then on, he said, I'm not going to worship any other gods. I'm going to worship your God. It built a relationship, a strength, and a faith in God. Here's the thing. If you're going through a hard time in your life where it doesn't make sense and you decide to drop in anyway and go for it, don't let that be a one-time drive-by miracle. Are you guys hearing me? Don't let that be the one thing. Well, God, that was awesome. Now back to me. I'm in charge again. Let those times build faith in your life that if God got me through that thing, then he's the Lord of my life. And there's times he's gonna call me to do things that don't make sense, but I can trust him from here on out. Because it's just like my son, he had to build up from the six foot, the eight foot, the 10 foot to realize if God brought me here, he's gonna do something bigger in my life. And if God gets you through that time, learn the big lesson that he's in it and he wants to take you farther than you've ever gone before. Here's the God story video that I almost missed. We've got an amazing video on the screen right now. People in our church are sitting here right now who learned the lesson that we're talking about in a particular area of their life. But this is the big picture, is that I can trust God in the areas that don't make sense, they don't seem to add up, but God can get me through this and can bring about an incredible blessing if I just blindly trust him. Check out this video. This is a good one. I've seen God work miracles in my life personally, and if God tells me to test him, I think we should test him. Tithing for us has always been something that we wanted to do and had the heart to do, but we couldn't do. Uh, our, our situation was different. 10%, 10% big. It's, it's, a, it's a big 10%. 10% for us meant no gas, no food. People didn't have debt like we had. People didn't have bills like we had. Oh, people had better money than we had or better income. Made more. Made more than we had. Child support. Yeah. They, our situation was different, so that, that's how I kind of always justified it. Well, I want to tithe, but 
we can't do it. On my heart, I didn't want to just give 1% or 2%. I felt like if we were going to tithe, it either needed to be 10% or nothing because do I really believe or do I, do I not? And, and before we started tithing, our, our accounts were, were bad. Our accounts were in the red. Always in the negative. And, you know, people say they live paycheck to paycheck. Living paycheck to paycheck would have been nice. We lived paycheck to three days after paycheck, and mm-hmm. then our accounts were negative. And we kind of hit a point. One of the sermons was talking about how God says test him when it comes to tithing. And that was real heavy on our hearts. And um, between that and, and... It was right around on time. Um, this was early July of 2013. We were already having some other convictions on our heart. We were living together and married, and we had made the decision to go ahead and get married. So July 10th of 2013, we decided to um, get married. And then that day, (laughs) that day, that evening time, um, I went to James um, and I asked him, well, if we're going to move forward, let's just go forward all the way and let's just tie 10% from from here on out. And at the time that we were speaking, our accounts were in the negative. Like we had no idea where the money was gonna come from, how we were gonna get it. We just knew that between the conviction on our heart and Pastor Carl sharing um, where God says, test me, we wanted to try it. And through the mini church, uh, we were given uh, the Dave Ramsey CDs. So we listened to that. And uh, one of the things that Dave Ramsey said was before anything, take the 10% tithing right off the top. So that's what we did. We sat down, we um, started doing our zero budget uh, on paper and using pencil and paper and right off the top, 10% went before rent, before child Child support, support, groceries, anything. And so we stood in our kitchen and we held our first tithing envelope and I remember being completely terrified. Sitting in that kitchen holding that envelope with that really big 10% terrified me mm-hmm. and it was scary because I'm thinking this well looks like we'll go to church next week because here's a <laughs> gas money we're not going to be able to make it <laughs> when you hear the stories of tithing yeah I think I know for me personally when I hear the stories of tithing it's like oh that's great you receive blessings would you get a, a dollar off your foot long at subway like that's great <laughs> I mean but the dollar's not going to like we're in the red bad it's that dollar you know those blessings aren't going to it's not going to mean anything for us but since we have tithe I have, we have paid off three loans. Two credit cards have been paid off. Our savings account, the month before we tied was negative $102. And every month before that. <laughs> negative something, negative something, negative something. Right. And you, we go through the bank statements and we look, oh, there's $80, $100, $800, $1,000, $1,200. And it's our savings account that keeps going up and up and up. When you put tithing at the bottom, it doesn't add up. The, the money will not be there to tithe. Right. But when Mathematically, put, it does not add up. <laughs> but when you put tithing at the top, not only is the top money for tithing there, but the money for everything else is there also. Plus more to put into savings. And why it works? Because it's God's Like way. the Bible says, God says he will provide. He, he wants us to be successful. He wants us to be the light and the hope in the world. So if he's asking us to test him, he's not going to ask us to do something that's going to that's going to make us broken and, and sad, <laughs> you know. The timing says that it wasn't about the money because it's not your money. It's God's money. It's God's 10%. And if God says, test him, you should test him. And tithing for us is not about a savings account. It's about growing our faith in the Lord. Like if you, if I could tell people one thing, like what has tithing, what do I get out of tithing? Well, besides not having a negative account, that's a great start. Right. But you want to grow your faith in the Lord? Tithe. You want to get stronger than God? Tithe. You want to see miracles happen in your life? Tithe. 
I, I can't, you wanna know a peace not in this world? Time. We don't stress about money, we don't stress about finances, we don't even argue about it because we give to our God and our God provides and shows us every single month that he will provide if you have faith in him and time. <laughs> Good job, guys. They're right here, by the way, James and Kelly. But okay, here, here's, here's my point. Listen, this isn't a tithing message. That happens to be the area of their life that God said, I want to do something that doesn't make sense. For you, it might be walking out of here and having to confront someone in a relationship. It might be a decision that God has with your employment on the job or something. You're going, no, God's wanting me to do this. It doesn't, it's not about tithing. It's about the fact that we trust a God that does stuff in our lives that doesn't make sense a lot of the time. But realizing and remembering, he's bigger, he's better, he's smarter, he's got good things in store. If I can just stick my neck out there in faith, and if I know he's in it, then I don't have to wait, I don't have to talk myself out of it, I'm just going to obey, I'm going to watch what God could do in my life. Is that a good word for you guys this morning? I know it spoke to someone, it speaks to me, but let's bow our heads and pray. God, we love you this morning. We thank you for being a God that is unpredictable, for being a God that makes decisions that are just crazy to us at times. Lord, but they always turn out to be the best decisions in our life. Lord, we thank you that you're not boring, you're not predictable, you're not um, powerless, but you're a powerful God that challenges us to trust you. And you do it in ways that just don't make sense, God, but, um, but they're always right in the end. I pray that we would be a people that would follow wholeheartedly. Lord, when you say go, we go. When you say give, we give. When you say stop, we stop, or whatever it is right now that is a situation in our life that we just can kind of know you're in it, but it just doesn't seem to make sense. Lord, help us to, to trust you in that. Lord, to step out in faith and do that and see what you could do. Lord, and for those of us that are in the room, because I know there's probably some people in here, you've never even made a commitment to God. You've never even taken the chance to actually sit down or just to really, in your heart, decide that you want to follow God, that you want to follow Jesus Christ, that you actually know and are convinced and are walking in a loving relationship with God as a Christian where he wants you. The best, the best place ever is in the will of God and knowing that he's got your back and knowing that he's got great things in store for you. But in order to get that, there's one thing you got to do and that really is simple. It's to surrender. It's not anything religious that you have to do. It's more about letting go. It's more about saying, God, you're better, you're bigger, you got me, I trust you with my life. The way you do that is just by acknowledging that Jesus Christ was God's son sent to earth to pay the price for us because we have walked away from God. It says that in scripture, all men and women have, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we've chosen, we've been born into a lifestyle where we just live life for ourselves and for the things of this world. And that God loves us enough to try to bring us back into a relationship with him that he had in mind when he created the original man and woman. And he did that through Jesus who came down and paid the price on the cross for us not having lived for God. He took upon himself the payment to pay for our sin, our turning away from God. And not only did he pay the price, but then he proved that he was a son of God by rising from the dead on the third day, conquering death, conquering sin, guilt, shame, hurt, baggage, issues, all the hangups that we got in our lives. He overcame that and he's offering to us a free life, a life eternal, a life where he is walking alongside with us in this life. It's hard sometimes, but we would now be able to have him as our partner to pick us up and to heal us and to strengthen us and to forgive us of all the wrong and all the junk that we face. 
And if you're at a point in your life right now, you're sitting here in church and you're just feeling like now's the time to make a commitment to God just to say yes. All it starts with is by saying yes to God and going, God, you lead me from here on out. I don't have to do all this religious stuff. All I have to do is turn to you and let you guide my life and show me what's best for my life. With this prayer, Lord, I'm gonna enter into a new relationship with you. And if you are someone in this room that would like to pray that prayer right now, allow me to lead you in that prayer. Real simple, I'm gonna say some words to God with you and for you. And I'm gonna ask that you'd pray them along with me, but you pray them silently in your heart to God. He hears you. I know there's a lot of people in this room and you don't wanna say it out loud, but you say it to God, the words that I say out loud right now. God hears you. He honors this prayer. And after service, you can go and tell people. You can go and let people know you did this. But right now, this is something between you and God and it's the most important prayer you'll ever pray in your lives. But if you would like to pray this prayer with me, I'm gonna ask you one thing and that's just to let me know we're praying together. I'm gonna simply count to three. And when I say three, you just hold your hand up high until I see you and I acknowledge that we're praying together. I just wanna know who I get the privilege of praying with this morning. So if that's you and you'd like to pray this prayer to give your life and your heart to God, on the count of three, lift those hands until I see you. One, two, three. Real simple, lift the hands. I see one here, I see two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm looking around, eight, someone back there. Nine right there. Thank you, Father God. If I didn't see you, don't worry about it. God sees you. So at least nine people. Put your hands on. Pray this prayer with me, if you would, in your heart right now to God. God, I'm here today, and I realize that I need you in my life. Lord, I want you. I need some help here. I'm tired of living life on my own. It's not going the way that I necessarily had planned. And Lord, from what I hear and what I know about you is that you're bigger and better and stronger and more powerful than me. And Lord, I'm saying right now that I want to be hooked up to you. Lord, I want to be in your family. I want to let you have control of my life, Lord, because I think you can do a better job of fixing me and healing me and giving me a successful life than I could do for myself. And Lord, I want you to know that I choose you over living for myself in life. And I believe your son Jesus came to the cross and died on it for my sake, Lord, so I wouldn't have to pay the price for my own sins and live a life for an eternity without you. But Lord, because of Jesus, Lord, I can know you now, and that you're my God, you're my Father, you're my Savior, my King, my Lord, and my friend. And Lord, because of this new relationship, Lord, I'm, I'm forgiven and I'm healed of all the wrong stuff I've ever done and all the wrong stuff that I'm probably still gonna do because I'm not gonna be perfect. But Lord, as I walk through life with you, you're gonna help me to make better decisions and you're gonna lead me. And even there's gonna be times when I don't understand, but you're in control. I'm gonna say yes to you because I believe that you're gonna work it out better than I ever could. Lord, from this moment on, I wanna follow you with my life, heart, mind, body, and soul and strength. Lord, I, I promise to, to read my Bible, to know more about you, to stay involved in church where I'm hanging around your people, hearing your words and worshiping together with other believers. Lord, allow me the opportunity to get water baptized to symbolize dying to my old self and being a new creation in you. Lord, I ask for the power of your Holy Spirit in my life to start working miracles, things that I couldn't do on my own. Lord, I need all the help I can get. Thank you for loving me and, and accepting me as your child here this morning. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Can we praise God for those nine people that, that pray that?